Hi, I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals. And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus, a relationship podcast. And welcome to the Weenus podcast with Jeremy and Carolyn. Carolyn is telling me that I need to back up a little bit from my microphone. Yep. I think she's wrong because I think my voice is beautiful. How are you doing, Carolyn? Every time we start, we're like, we have a conversation before we actually start recording the podcast. And every time we start, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. And I tell you podcast starts and you like lean into the mic and talk really loud. I get excited. I get, I love the Weenus podcast. I love our Weenus. Well, who doesn't? (laughs) Well, today we are talking about the year of 2020. We had a podcast a little bit earlier about this kind of thing, but it was earlier in the year. And as 2020 has progressed, it has become more and more enjoyable, I would say, right? It's just more and more things have happened, more and more exciting, more and more really to report, more and more that affects our relationships and couples Mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think what's been interesting for me as a therapist, as someone seeing people, you know, I see people mostly in Northern California, um, but kind of all over is that I'm hearing over and over from people that they're failing, you know, that they have these expectations of themselves, that they should be back to normal or that they should be able to handle all of this or that they shouldn't feel be feeling anxiety anymore. Um, which I think is a very kind of American modern day thing of like, we should just be able to handle whatever's thrown at us, but this has never been, well, I understand that there's been pandemics and all of that kind of thing before, um, but none of us have experienced this. None of us have been through a situation quite like this. And so why would we be able to handle this in a, you know, in a beautiful, graceful way? Some people are leaning into some gratitude, you know, being able to see what 2020 has handed them. You know, I think for you and I both, like, even amongst all of this chaos, 2020 has actually handed us some pretty unique opportunities um, in launching our own business. I don't know that that's something that I would have done without everything that's gone on. And so for some folks, we have that. For other folks, 2020 hasn't handed them much to be grateful for. Um, So that can be really challenging. But I just think this idea that we that you shouldn't be feeling anxious, you shouldn't be feeling depressed, that your relationship should be just perfect, that, you know, that everything should be going along just like life wasn't happening is just so ridiculous. Right. And in kind of in review, what has 2020 actually thrown us? And it's thrown us not just a pandemic, not just natural disasters, but we're, you know, going into this election time where a lot of people are really stressed out and the news is at an absolute fever pitch on every side of every aisle there is. There is this ongoing kind of economic problem that we're having that is completely related to COVID and, and, and all of that. And, and so many parents who are dealing with the children at home, half children at home, half children at school, depending upon what district they're in and, and, and this sort of thing has been really, really disruptive all the way into main street for, for so many people. And when you're talking about maintaining hope, maintaining a sense of going in a direction. 
I, I know that for a lot of people that I'm hearing in sessions, there's this feeling of just being arrested, just, just mm-hmm. being treading water. When is this all going to be over? And this kind of sense of doom that we just don't know when it's all going to be over. Well, and I was, I was talking with a client who I actually had just started working with. I want to say it was around March. It was, it was sort of right around the beginning of all of this. Um, and I was working with her around some relationship things and, and kind of, I think our, our MO has just been like, now is not the time to make big choices, right? Back in March and April, our entire world's got turned upside down. Now is not the time to make big choices. And so it was kind of like, let's just try to get you stable and feel okay and get you some skills and tread water for a little bit. And we'll make the big choices when, when things are a little bit more back to normal. Um, and gosh, we were just, we were talking um, in session the other day and just could not help but laugh at like this kind of naive, you know, back in March or April of like, well, we'll, we'll address that. We'll get there when things are back to normal and we're all doing much better. And it's like, you know, here it is October. We're like, okay, so at what point do we stop treading? Because I think that's a big thing. No one likes to feel like they're just treading water. I think naturally as humans, we like to feel like we're moving forward. And I think the truth is that for many of us, um, that the option of moving forward just doesn't seem very present. And so that can feel really stifling. It's like, what do I do in all of this? You know, like I said, for you and I, we've taken this option to move forward. You know, we've made big changes um, and we're really um, doing everything that we can to be adaptable to this. Not every career, not every relationship, not everyone really has that same opportunity. And so it can feel really, you can feel really stuck. You don't just release all the water from a dam and then shut the dam one day and the reservoir is full. And mm-hmm. so we, we opened up the dam as far as shutting down society, kind of shutting down all of these businesses. And we're looking at a rebuilding period for the next period of time. And I'm going to go ahead and designate that as between one to 10 years. I thought that you were doing so well of like not putting a timestamp on it. I was really proud of you because like I said, in March, I was like, let's just give it a couple months. Like you're right. But you know, and I don't know that normal, normal, you know, with quotation marks around it is coming back. I think that we do, that this is going to be survival of the fittest and in a, in a, uh, an adaptation time for all of us, which I think has been a long time coming. Like, does everyone really have to commute in to their job and be, you know, doing that every day? Do kids have to go to school five days a week? Um, I've seen a lot of students who do really, really well working from home um, and some that don't, you know, absolutely there's both sides of it. But like, I think that this is a really beautiful time of like, what changes can we make and, and our society still stand up? Yeah, I agree with you. One thing that I've been so happy about in all of this is the uh, the testing of all the stupid bosses theories out there that if you're right. not in the office, you're not working. Right. You know, and 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 how much better, you, how much more you get out of people when they can work from home and be uh, uh, be flexible with their schedules mm-hmm. and and everything, and, and the imperative of this. I think the net positive long-term for this is going to be better for families, better for couples, better for companies, better for an economy. And, and, and honestly, better for better ecologically right. that you have fewer people on the road because their idiot boss wants them in the office for no good reason. 
you know, which we can say very loudly because neither one of us has an idiot boss anymore. Not that <laughs> I actually had some really good bosses, you know, doing the work that I did, but anyway, um, but yes, so we don't have bosses. We don't have a commute, but again, I think that you and I are both really fortunate um, and all the same have also experienced suffering and pain and, and challenge in all of this. Um, and I think that again, that that relates back to this idea of this normalization that, okay, you know, well, uh, apparently this isn't going to go away. So you just better get your act together. Um, and within, you know, speaking of act, so acceptance and commitment therapy, there's the acceptance piece of that is, is the acceptance of what is versus what we want it to be. Um, you know, in, in Buddhism, the, the um, concept of dukkha is really about that of like this resistance to what is and this this um, clinging or um, kind of drive to what we want things to be just creates all of this suffering. You know, there's the, you're standing in a field and you get shot with an arrow, that's pain. You know, that's painful, bad things happen all the time. You continue to stand in the field and get shot with arrows, that's suffering. Like you gotta move, like get out of the field. Um, and so this is really a time of, of, I think a lot of suffering because people aren't willing to move out of the field and to start actually moving forward, we all feel sort of stuck in the ground um, and we're getting shot with a lot of arrows because of it. Did you watch that um, um, Social Dilemma documentary? I did it. You know, I've heard good things about it. I haven't seen it though. It's fantastic because one of the things about this relating to us all being cooped up is that we're taking in on average more and more and more of social media and the news. And it's incredibly difficult to find news uh, that isn't, you know, uh, slanted or biased or, or overinflated uh, to get information that really you need to know. And, and we're, we're have, we have this, this constant flow of information that is designed for us to continue consuming. And so we're finding a couple of things. People are getting into these echo chambers mm -hmm. and, and they're, they can't understand how anybody outside of that can think what they think. And we're seeing this in the context of couples where either two, uh, the, the couple themselves are in an echo chamber and they're getting more and more isolated in their house because they're in their house 24 seven, listening to the same news stations, the same um, Twitter feed, the same uh, everything and, and feeling less of a connection with their community overall. Um, or you have a couple where one is deeply entrenched in one echo chamber, the other is equally entrenched in a different echo chamber. And there are things that just can't be talked about. And so really, honestly, this social media addiction that all of us are dealing with to some degree is, is something that we really need to check into in terms of what echo chambers we've entered that we may not completely be aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that just, it, it has been an interesting time where having, having those conversations, um, feels very challenging, you know, anymore. It's, it's something that conversations that I've always been able to have with friends, all of a sudden, you know, some of those things are, are not, we can't really talk about it. And it's very, this is such an interesting time. I was having a conversation with my husband the other day. Um, he was talking to me about social, social, um, social democracy, socialism, democracy. Um, 
But anyways, um, and, and I kind of had this like very matrixy moment about like, what do we really know? You know, like whatever you feel about Trump, what do we really know? And it's like, you know, he's tweeting things and there's bills that get passed, but so much of what I know is based on exactly that, the news media that I take in, um, you know, and vice versa for you. Um, and so it does feel very much like we're being fed this. And I feel like we're being fed kind of a lack of hope um, that no one is going to be able to write this ship. And I think that there's a lot of people that benefit from that, you know, in ways that, that this is just really challenging. And so as couples and as people who are, you know, we do feel very isolated. We're not out at big gatherings or having group, you know, I used to get together with, with people that I had worked with. Um, we call it our brunch crew um, because yes, I'm that basic. Um, I used to get together with them like once a month, once every other month. And it would be, you know, 10 or 15 of us from, from lots of different areas and cultural backgrounds. And we would have conversations I haven't gotten to do that in like nine months while all of this ridiculousness has been going on. We're not really getting to have a lot of those conversations anymore. And we are stuck in, in our own little echo chamber, even if it's just, you know, a lot of what I hear comes from my husband, um, you know, and so that's what I'm hearing, or it comes from, you know, mainstream media. So it is, it is difficult. And I miss getting to have those conversations outside of the home. So in essence, what happens when we all stop pretending that the only viable conversation to be had right now um, is the election or the, the, the most recent news story on Twitter or these different things. And we jumped outside of that paradigm to a paradigm of hope, mm -hmm. a paradigm of much more of a connection to your, your community that you have. So, so we go, yeah, community, and we don't know the names of our neighbors. Uh, and and I've, I find that so much of, of a lot of the people that uh, I, I talk to, they can tell you all sorts of things about what's going on with the national political mm -hmm. scene, and they don't know who their neighbors are or what their neighbors are going through. And yeah. that connection to the people that are truly around you as, as an individual, as a couple, what are you doing to instill hope and to do something with your family that is hopeful, mm -hmm. that is outside the house, that breaks things up, that engages you with people around you, even if it is, and it seems very old fashioned, but it's really quite a beautiful thing. Right now it's Halloween. And so there's this thing that you do in offices, you do the boo thing where you decorate somebody's desk and then they have to decorate somebody else's desk. And then, you know, starting that in a neighborhood is such a community-based thing. And it gives you something to do that gets you outside of just constantly the same conversations that are happening over and over that are really not hope-based. Mm -hmm. What about jumping out of the same old conversations and adapting in order to survive? Adapting to a paradigm of hope, adapting to new hobbies together. I, I uh, What about... You know, that, that, that car that you've always wanted to fix up that, you know, you and your husband have kind of had a dream about uh, of fixing up, actually sitting down and mapping out how to finish that classic car or, or you know, the, these sorts of things that may not even, you may, you may not have the money for it yet, but you can make the plan. Uh, and, and jumping out of the, the same stuff that is, is constantly on our newsfeed trying to draw us in to to sadness, sorrow, hateful, ha uh, hatefulness, and grief over what we have lost. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that there's a lot to lose if we lose that kind of concept of hope and community. Um, I for a moment I started looking around my office to see if it had been decorated, if someone had booed me. Um, if we were actually watching the office, that would be the moment where we pan back and Jeremy had somehow booed my office. But just so you guys know, he didn't. Um, <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. Um, but I think that that you're absolutely right. I think that we need to. You know, I, I and here's here's where that thought came from for me was that I had I pulled up my newsfeed Sunday morning or something and I saw like four articles about how lit Saturday Night Live was and how like vicious it was and I was like oh we have to watch that number one Jack White was on it and he did burn the house down it was he was amazing but Bill Bilber um, was the yes. comedian yes. Um, and so I we watched it and I was like this is it's going to be amazing it, it everyone says it was great. Um, I don't know what's happened in Saturday Night Live. I personally didn't think it was great. Um, they did though have one, um, one sketch where it was like three couples getting together and kind of the gag was just like, well, we don't, you know, it's like that same conversation. Everyone's just having like, gosh, we don't get out much anymore. And we might not know how to talk to people anymore. And we're just home alone all the time. Um, and then one of the couples kind of loses it. Um, but I, I just started thinking like, so why did I think this was going to be amazing? Like I just saw on the new, like I, you know, Buzzfeed or something told me that it was really good. And I just was like, how did that happen? Because it was objectively not a great show aside from Jack White. Um, so I think that kind of recognizing that we are just getting this constant feed of information. And like, there's been other things like I heard the new Adam Sandler movie um, about Halloween was good. Um, it was not, um, but you know, I mean, it just wasn't funny. It was a cute movie, but it just, I didn't find it super funny. Um, I know Sherry was thinking about me watching that. Um, I wasn't, Yeah, I watched so, the trailer and I'm like, yeah, I got to pass on this one. Hard pass. You saw all the good stuff. You really did. Um, and so it is interesting, like how much of our world is shaped by what we're taking in. And, and if all that we're taking in is that kind of pessimistic conversation about how hopeless this all is. Um, so it's okay to, to feel the other feelings, to feel fear and to talk about that, to just, you know, to talk about how we're actually feeling might be more interesting than talking about what our political beliefs are or what you know, what we think about Joe or, or Trump or whatever the case might be, but just really talking about like, gosh, like I've just been feeling. Um, and I think that it's, it's kind of, I don't hear a lot of that. And almost all of my friends are therapists and we still don't talk very much about like, how am I, how are you feeling? Um, usually the response I get back is like, oh, I'm fine. You know, things are crazy, but I'm fine. And it's like, well, I'm not sometimes like, it's been a pretty tough few months. Yeah, I, I think with with Sherry and I, we've become better at being able to identify when we're just not with it. Yeah. And and there's generally in the afternoon when I kind of hit a wall with with work because I've been staring at a screen and being in meetings and talking to people all day long because it's it's you know it's it's a different they, there was this a uh, Zoom fatigue thing that yeah. was talked about a couple of months ago. And, and I, I get that kind of on a weekly basis at some point where I just, my brain just kind of blows up and I stop being able to really focus and be good and then starts a, 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 a series of thoughts. I'm not good at what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm kind, I'm, I'm, I'm behind. People are waiting on me. 
I'm, I'm not doing a good job. And that's when I realized, okay, I, I really need to just kind of disengage, maybe come back to this tomorrow. And, and I've been able to have more of a conversation with Sherry because she can do the same thing and just go, yeah, my, my brain is broken right now. Let's go on a walk. And we do that. And it's not something that we've ever actually done before identifying. Yeah, totally fatigued. And I've, and I've got uh, usually a, a couple of times a week, I experience that the ability to, to recognize it and not just simply push through it because you think there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. but to identify it and go, yeah, okay, well, I, I, I know that I'm not a failure at what I'm doing. I just need to simply let my mind rest a while and come back to this tomorrow. And then, you know, voila, the next morning, you can actually handle the things that were beyond you at 3 p.m. the day before. Right. And so, yeah, um, being able to identify that stuff. And I think that another important thing that we've, we've touched on a couple of times here is just being able to switch gears into how do I create the hope? How do I adapt to what's going on here? Because we have no idea how long this is going to last. And, and how do we as a couple thrive reduce hopelessness and be more present with children that are that are in the home of all ages because what i've found is that our our young people are becoming feeling more and more isolated because their 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 school a lot of them are still on the the kind of the zoom um uh, zoom paradigm of school and it's not the same it's not the same as what kids need to kind of team around and, and, and get, uh, get the kind of attention that they need from each other and tease each other and, and, and have that social interaction that's so important in learning the world. And so they're becoming different as a, as a result of all of this too. So when you, when you shift gears into how does this work, it really has to be kind of intentional, kind of intentional in drawing a new a new idea of where you're going as a couple where you're going alone where you're going together yeah and i think the parents that i'm working with i think are coming to realize that they do you know it's tough i think that we all are under more stress under more demand um and the truth is is that your kids need more of your presence um you know they need you to check in normally their teachers would be more you know, their teachers aren't seeing them like you are. And it kind of used to be the opposite that your teachers would see them in class every day and, and that they'd be checking in with them. And, and I know teachers are still trying to do their best to do that, but they're not seeing them in person like you are at home. And so to spend a little time checking in um, and trying to approach with curiosity rather than you know advice or telling them what to do of just being curious, like, how is this going for you? I noticed that you had a C in this class. Usually you do great in this what's going on, you know, versus telling them what they need to do to fix that. And so, you know, the biggest advice that I give most parents and most couples is really to approach each other with curiosity, as opposed to coming in with an assumption, which is really only going to drive the defensiveness of the the other person. They're not going to be able to hear you. Um, So I think that being curious with our kids, with our partners, with our friends, um, and really trying to to hear them um, can feel very vulnerable right? Because we may not have the answer, um, but maybe that's okay. Like maybe we can solve this together, especially with kids. That's a great skill to build, um, to be able to solve something together. 
it's so difficult to compete with the screen. And unfortunately, it is incumbent upon the parents to compete with the screen mm-hmm. right now because yeah. it is morning, noon, and night with the screen. And, and they're so incredibly sophisticated in the ability to you know, stay connected and keep themselves occupied with various different things that they, you see the withdrawals in them mm-hmm. when they don't have the screen and they get irritable when they don't have it. And that, that documentary, The Social Dilemma, did a really good job of chronicling young people and their absolute addiction to the dopamine hit of the screen that need for that. And so whether it is the turning off of Wi-Fi, there's those parental programs where you can turn off the phones uh, of the various states so that you can carve out that time and they can have an expectation of how long that's going to last. It's an hour for dinner. It's, it's whatever it is, but that the parent remains in control of that Mm -hmm. for the sake of maintaining relationship because they really just get lost in their heads when when they don't have that kind of direction um and and unfortunately it's just not going to be easy it's going to be very difficult because you know the screen is a whole lot more entertaining than fun than you are (laughs) you know (laughs) i think that we all accept that i mean but i think that goes with our partners as well um that kind of the opposite of that is that sometimes as adults that we need some space. And I, again, I know we talked about this before in having healthy relationships. Um, but right now it might feel kind of scary for people to give each other space because what does that have to mean? Um, for me personally, I spent four days away, um, at a lake house with a, a girlfriend of mine to give my husband some space and also to have a great time. We did not do any singing in the car. I know that we had promised a a car jam for you. Um, We just talked the entire way, but it was nice to have, again, another perspective, to be talking with someone else other than my husband. Um, It was great to give each other a little space. And to be honest, we coming back together when he came up to the lake house, there took a little getting used to like being back around each other again. Um, And so to give each other some space. And I think, like you said, to acknowledge when I need to shut down that's great if that means like, I need to shut down. Can you go for a walk with me? But I need to shut down can also mean I need to go spend an hour by myself. And that doesn't mean that your relationship is in danger, that something bad is happening. But if we can be honest about it, um, you know, and kind of watch the story that we're telling ourselves, whether that means as a partner coming to someone saying, I need to take an hour, I just need to shut off my brain, work was overwhelming. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute explanation, but just to be clear, or is the partner receiving that to say, oh, the story I'm telling myself is that you don't like me anymore or you, what, you know, whatever that negative thought pattern is that we're having to get that reassurance so that it can be safe to take time, um, I think is really important right now. Um, I just, I know, and I, I've just noticed, and I try not to overgeneralize, but for a lot of us women, when we want to shut down, we want to turn to our partner and talk with our partner. And for a lot of men, when they want to shut down, they truly want to shut down and, you know, not be engaging with me as a partner. Um, and that that's both of those things are okay and safe. Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is. And I think men feel a obligation to always be on and to always be, um, <clears throat> always, always be present with work, 
um, always, uh, always do it all right. And it, it's just not a doable situation. I see a lot of pressure that men are putting on themselves to constantly be present. And they're not taking the time that they need in the garage to just kind of tootle around uh, to, to do like off social media, real tangible stuff, building a deck, um, barbecuing without your phone um, and, and, and doing things that are actually constructive. Uh, it, 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 is, it is a tremendously important thing and we just are kind of off of our game that we are usually on at this time in a year. And, and so, you know, take the time to yourself, carve out that time for your partner and, and make sure that you are celebrating that incredible weenus that we are trying to build here with the weenus podcast. And um, we thank you for listening and, um, you know, change the paradigm, stay hopeful, stay positive out there think through this and give yourself space to just breathe a little bit. And for heaven's sake, stop reading the news so much. <laughs> if you have any questions, suggestions, just want to reach out and say, Hey, my weenus is getting bigger. Um, ascent online counseling at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook as well. Um, and I guess we will see you guys next week. Thank all 17 of you for listening. We are growing. We are so excited about this. Have a wonderful week and we will see you on the other side.